So you're in conflict with yourself. So you're constantly doing what society is telling you and dishonoring yourself. So there's this constant inner war because how do you know what you need to know if you just don't know? And so if you don't understand yourself and you're being shamed for being the sensitive person, you're not really honoring your own life purpose and doing something that feels congruent. You're constantly almost like, I call it in, in disarray. You don't know what to do at the same time you're being pulled in another direction of what society or your family wants you to do. And you're never doing it to your full potential. So you're always feeling not good enough. But intuitively, you still know that there's something great meant for you. And, you know, I've talked to whether it's a couple of clients or other friends, I've noticed that there's this overarching theme of like, you know, later on coming into themselves and kind of merging. But it was the lack of awareness that kind of they said, let them astray. One person said it like I always felt that I was I was in battle with myself. Culturally, we already have that against us and then add the lack of understanding and awareness of it. It makes it even more challenging. You know, for the most part, I'm a pretty laid back person. I only care about two things, the well-being and the opinions of every single person on this earth, literally everyone, even strangers. You're listening to Unsweet and Unfilter the Podcast, episode four of season four. If you ever found yourself in battle with literally yourself on a daily basis, then this conversation is just for you. It will shed light on the possible culprit, which is a trait better known as highly sensitive person or HSP for short. For 30 years of my life, I have struggled with being quote unquote too sensitive, the crushing psychological weight of feeling everything on a much deeper level than anyone else, the ability to pick up on the most subtle changes, even a change of tone via text that will leave me wondering all week long if I did something wrong, or my most impressive talent yet, which is the ability to knock out anywhere at any time because my nervous system is constantly on overdrive from experiencing emotional burnout as an HSP. For the longest, I had wondered to myself, why did God create me to have too much feelings? I lack the ability to detach myself from everything and avoid becoming emotionally invested in anyone. But this was all before I read Elaine Aaron's book, The Highly Sensitive Person. And now everything that I was experiencing started to make sense to me. In today's episode, I had the honor to sit down with Dr. Khitam Hamdan, an Arab-American licensed therapist and educator, who's also the managing director of Anissa's Mental Health, a nonprofit organization that works with Muslims in crisis. As an HSP herself, Dr. Khitam gives us an insight of what it means to navigate life when we may have high levels of sensory processing sensitivity and a strong reactivity to our surroundings. We also delve into the positive and admirable aspects of being an HSP, which includes being creative, the ability to cultivate deep connections with others, and our thirst for knowledge. This episode is recommended for anyone who may know an HSP or may be an HSP themselves. There is so much to cover in regards to growing up as an HSP, overcoming the struggles of setting boundaries, and how our spiritual journeys may differ from others. Let's dive in. Thank you so much, Dr. Khatam, for joining me today. I once picked up a book by Elaine Aaron, and it was called The Highly Sensitive Person. And I know there's a lot of discussion surrounding this book, but for me personally, it was what kind of introduced me to the topic of a highly sensitive person. I didn't even know that existed. I always thought there was something off about me, and we'll get into that in just a bit. But I would love for you to, inshallah, introduce yourself, and then we can get right into the topic. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much for having me, Junya. Truly an honor. I love your podcast, Stumble Across the 
about six months ago, and I was always infatuated by your work. So it's an honor to be here, subhanAllah. Uh, just a little about myself. By trade, I am a licensed therapist, and I wear many hats. I have my own private practice, but I also run a mental health department for a nonprofit called Anissa. And I primarily train the other therapists on trauma, trauma therapy specifically, but also I'm also a fan of multiple different types of therapies. So people are like, oh, do you, you know, are you one specific type? And I say, no, I keep learning. So I keep integrating in my portfolio of different knowledge because I feel the mental health space is still in its infant stages and there's so much more that needs to happen to kind of make mental health more effective. It's honestly an honor to have you on here because I do follow your work on social media and it's incredible that you work with the many organizations that you work with and you once posted about HSP and I absolutely loved your caption about it. And I'm like, I have to have you on because I would love to discuss what is a highly sensitive person because there's a lot of people that might feel like they can relate to this. But I also want to make sure that we kind of like dive deep into what an HSP really is and kind of debunk any myths that surround what it means to be a highly sensitive person. Can we give like a high level overview of what it is. And then inshallah, like further along in the episode, we can kind of like dive deep into the many aspects of an HSP. When I first found out about this term, I remember exactly where I was. It was in 2008. And I was in grad school at, uh, you know, to name drop at Harvard. And I was in the library in the psychology, in this, you know, psychology area. And I saw the book, highly sensitive person on the bookshelf. Intuitively, like of all the books, it just grabbed me. I was just like mesmerized. And so I started just reading it, reading it, reading it. And, you know, it's it's interesting because usually truth is like it resonates and you can remember it. And so I remember reading that and I was like, it was validating because I identified with so many of the things that were in there that I used to kind of think that I was just weird or different. And one of the key things is that, you know, you're asking about the science for a highly sensitive person. And the thing that's a bit tricky is that when you start understanding the different psychological disorders, there's such overlap that it's very easy to perceive that, okay, that, well, this could apply to, you know, sensory processing disorder. Some people are like, oh, this could apply to autism. But I think the most important thing is just you might have some of these signs, maybe not all of them, but it's more just so you understand yourself. So like one of the hallmarks is you dislike loud noises, okay, or being amidst crowds can be very difficult or challenging. Another one is that you have a hard time having superficial conversations. Small talk is just something that you don't enjoy doing. You're called actually oversensitive by people. You're attuned to nuances. You know, you'll tend to pick up things that most people don't pick up. You're considered thoughtful. You know, we always focus on like what's considered bad, the bad things, but there's actually a lot of good things. Like you work hard to please others. You are very empathic where you can kind of understand, like you'll see a friend, you'll be like right away, what's wrong? As a child, you might have been called shy or deeply emotional. And the other thing is, too, is just to kind of fast forward. Is like I have children and my one of my sons, I believe, is an HSP because my and my husband for a boy in the Middle Eastern community, he, you know, he's such a baby. And I'm just like, no, I can intuitively since birth. He's always been highly sensitive. And what that looks like is, yes, you feel deeper. You tend to pick up on nuances. You l- will read people's body language easier to avoid stressful situations. So, you know, some people consider that being weak. It's unfortunate because we slap on these labels. And I think one of the most important things that was validating for me is what they found is that the brains of highly sensitive people were different and that this was an innate personality trait. It wasn't just being emotionally immature or because you're being spoiled. So that was really validating. And so, you know, some people will identify with like half of these signs and some people will identify with three or four strongly with anything. There's a spectrum, like extreme, highly sensitive, middle of the ground. So I think it's more important just to validate that if you are having some of these signs, that there's nothing wrong with you, that 
it's quite normal. And instead of kind of beating yourself up, it's actually quite important to validate yourself and start figuring out what you do need. And there is a, in the book, she kind of um, talks about an acronym. You know, if you had to kind of like take all these four signs and break them up into categories and the acronym she used was does. Yes. Yeah. And so like, you know, so the one is the depth of processing. So that's the D. And then the O is the overstimulation because you either overstimulate by light or loud noises or crowds. And then the E, I believe, was emotional responsiveness in terms of how emotionally, you know, you're intuitive, empathic, you're able to kind of gauge into things. And then um, the S was sensitive to subtleties, like small changes in, in whether in individuals you'll start picking up in even like changes in light and sound. And so that was, those are kind of like the the four acronyms, you know, depth of processing, overstimulation, emotional responsiveness or empathy, and then sensitivity to sensory stimuli. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Fatham. Honestly, I think you just answered a lot of people's questions and just the introduction of what an HSP really is. And just like you, it wasn't in a library, but it was in a bookstore that they had the book just facing kind of center of attention of the bookshelf. And when I seen it, I was like, is that me? I never even heard of that term, it's a highly sensitive person. And I picked it up and I took it home and I read it and I devoured it because for the first time I felt like, wow, so there really isn't something wrong with me. There's actually a term for this. And like you said, like you might not agree with, 100% of the book, like I re- agreed with 80% of the way she defined it and I related to it. I'm not going to force myself to relate to every single aspect of an HSP, but for the majority of the book, I was able to kind of better understand why I was the way that I was, why I reacted to certain things the way that I was. And I kind of want to talk about like, what does it mean to be a male in our society and to be an HSP at the same time? Because I think it has to be extremely difficult. I mean, I felt like it was extremely difficult for me. Like I grew up in a huge household of many siblings, mashallah. And of course, I I was always the one being told that I'm extremely sensitive. And for the longest, sometimes you also feel like the scapegoat of the family too. I think oftentimes like it was it was a really very tricky to kind of be the eldest daughter of immigrant parents, but then also be an HSP at the same time, because I, I felt like there were parts of our traditions, parts of our culture that I felt like I did not want to conform to, that I wanted to rebel against. But then there was this other part of me that was the people pleaser because of being an HSP and really feeling my parents' emotions to this depth that I never really wanted to feel because you kind of carry that on. You carry their happiness onto your own shoulders. And it was so difficult that there was a part of me that wanted to rebel, but then there was other part of me that was kind of like not allowing me to do so and wanted me to be kind of more of an empath, more of a people pleaser, more of somebody that just, you know, not rebelling against my parents and, and just understanding that my frustrations is kind of not prioritized. And I allowed myself to prioritize other people's feelings because you do feel everything on a much deeper level. Can we talk about that? Like growing up as in HSP, maybe in majority of our households, specifically Arab and Muslim and Middle Eastern households, and how does that affect us even more? It's a double-edged sword on, on multiple fronts because mental health as a whole is not really Im- embraced and understood. So even for myself, like I became more about aware of mental health later on in life just because of problems in my own life that I wanted to kind of understand. And with HSP, there's pros to it, but there are also things that you need to learn to manage from a mental health space. So not only do you have the lack of understanding and awareness and acceptance of it in your own community, you're also shamed for it. So you have a double negative happening because, you know, you don't really understand yourself and then you're shamed for being who you are. I feel like it paralyzes you and it delays your development because instead of getting the help that you need or to learn about how to manage this, you're spending your entire life trying to protect yourself from it. So if you're telling someone, oh, don't be sensitive, you know, that person is spending their energy guarding their emotions and pretending to be okay instead of living. 
I picked up this book at what the age of 30, 31. So imagine living my entire life like this in a huge household with other siblings that cannot relate to me whatsoever because they're not HSPs themselves. And so imagine that not knowing why I feel the way that I feel and why I'm so sensitive and why I, I internalize their reactions or what they say and whatnot. I used to internalize that so much and it would affect me so deeply. And I never understood why, why, why me and why not anybody else? Yeah. And the other thing is too, is that So one of the things we're highly sensitive that's really important is having a sense of purpose, that doing even like professionally a career that doesn't kind of attach to something greater than the self, and it's just about the money or if you're following societal standards or just, you know, going to college and getting a job. So you're in conflict with yourself. So you're constantly doing what society is telling you and dishonoring yourself. So there's this constant inner war because how do you know what you need to know if you just don't know? And so if you don't understand yourself and you're being shamed for being the sensitive person, you're not really honoring your own life purpose and doing something that feels congruent. You're constantly almost like, the, I call it in, in disarray. You don't know what to do. At the same time, you're being pulled in another direction of what society or your family wants you to do. And you're never doing it to your full potential. So you're always feeling like a failure, or a loser or not good enough. But intuitively, you still know that there's something great meant for you. And, you know, I've talked to whether it's a couple of clients or other friends, I've noticed that there's this overarching theme of like, you know, later on coming into themselves and kind of merging. But it was the lack of awareness that kind of they said, let it let them astray. One person said it like, I always felt that I was I was in battle with myself. Culturally, we already have that against us and then add the lack of understanding and awareness of it. It makes it even more challenging. Yeah, I mean, bless my parents. I tried to explain it to them, but I don't think they understand what an HSP. <laughs> they just think I'm just somebody that gets annoyed by loud TV and loud music and loud noise. That's it. But I'm like, if you only knew behind closed doors how much I struggle with this, because I, I think I'm on the extreme side of that spectrum. Because I'm telling you, Dr. Khadim, like this was something that I really like, whoever explained that to you, like, yes, it felt like it was a battle within my own self that I was battling behind closed doors that I was dealing with. So sometimes when you think of an HSP, it's like, oh, they're just sensitive. But no, imagine like everything going against to not feeling like you can like relate to anybody and and where nobody can even understand why you feel the way that you do. And sometimes, you know, I think the saddest part is it can disconnect you from family and loved ones. Like literally my family loves family game night. They love doing that. And they love doing it late at night. They'll all sit around the table, grab a game and just, and I I can't, I can't deal with that noise. You know what I mean? And so I shut myself out. I'll go into my room and I'll do my own work. And to them, that looks like, oh, she just wants nothing to do with us. But it's really, it's because I cannot sit in a space like that where it's that loud and it's that stimulating and it's so difficult to explain that well or what you can what I've learned later in life is that I can do that as long as I've honored myself beforehand meaning I've spent a day where I've come into myself I've meditated I've connected with myself I've had my alone time and then I can have doses of you know the large crowds or the interactions with people but if I didn't know that and had I not learned about okay how do I protect my energy as an HSP or how do I recharge so that I can tolerate because it gets lonely as well being yeah. alone and, and kind of isolating yourself that's what I didn't like it's like I would want people but then I would go you know kind of retreat into my cave and into myself and so then I had to kind of reconcile like okay well how can I be around people and not dishonor myself and it was learned that okay I take off time for myself if I knew there was a gathering and I would spend time doing myself so that way I'd have be recharged and then I can actually enjoy family game night for an hour or two, you know, before I kind of retreated. So it's just important to actually, you know, make sure to honor yourself in order to be able to kind of have doses because we need people. Now, the other thing is, too, what the research shows, 30 percent of HSPs can be 
extroverts. It's not necessarily that they're introverts. It's another misconception or that people think, oh, they're just shy. And I think that's important to recognize that sometimes it's no, it's not that they're shy. They need their alone time in order to be able to have time with others. You know, it's about balance. I kind of wanted to get into that, honestly, Dr. Khadam, because I think that's like really important that you bring that up. And you know, another thing that I want to bring up, sometimes it can be difficult for an HSP to get their alone time when they still live with their family, because I absolutely love my family and I love connection. And I always tell people like connection is the ultimate thing. Like do not drive yourself into loneliness. Like solitude is an incredible thing, but do not allow it to consume you to the point where now you have disconnected from loved ones. Because I am blessed to have the family that I have. I, I love my siblings. I love my parents. Honestly, they're just like a fun family, but it's like at the same time, I also live with them. So it is super hard to create that boundary of like, I need my alone time, but then like, I still want to hang out with you guys. I still want to enjoy my time with you guys. So there is that disconnect for me. And that's why I thrive on the weekends because I can go into a coffee shop. I can have my alone time and that's where I can kind of re-energize. But I do want to talk about that because there is that leading misconception that, oh, well, you're just introverted. You can be, but there's still subtle differences between an introvert and an HSP. Is that correct? Yes. Introvert means like you just prefer to be by yourself. You're internalized things. You're not a social person. There is definitely some overlap, you know, in terms of people that are HSP and, and introvert. And one of the overlaps is that the alone time. So people kind of confuse alone time as being, you know, just wanting to be solo. And for an HSP, alone time is just allowing yourself to recharge. Another commonality is superficial conversations, you know, is that introverts tend to kind of only connect with certain people that they can have more meaningful conversations with. So they have very few friends, you know, even if they are an extrovert, just having small talk for the sake of having small talk feels like a waste of energy. So having more meaningful conversations. Assumption is that all introverts are HSP and that's not necessarily the case because you can be an introvert and not be highly intuitive. You can be an introvert and not highly feeling. You can be an introvert and maybe not have the sensory stimuli or like the loud noises or the light. Like for me personally, the, the bright lights of that white light, I mean, I get a headache from it. Yep. You know, and I never would understand it. And even like at times people are like, oh, you're so weird. And I'm like, I literally get a headache from it. The introvert is really about being more to yourself, not having conversations easily, people wanting that alone time. But it doesn't mean that you have all these other signs of like being, you know, the sensory stimuli. And even more recently, the literature is starting to change the name from HSP to not sensory processing disorder, but sensory sensitivity. But they do identify it being a sensory thing. And I think that's the key hallmark for it is about the sensory stimuli that's happening, whether it's from light, whether it's from noise, whether it's from crowds. And that's where a lot of the overlap gets into autism, because for autistic children and adults, one of the key things that they find is that they're highly triggered by overstimulus. The difference for an HSP is that it doesn't disrupt your normal functioning. So when autism is that there is a disarray in terms of an interruption in terms of functioning, that you can't function in a normal life, you're not able to be successful. Whereas with HSP, you have these symptoms, but it's contained and it doesn't lead to the point of dysfunction. More important, I tell people is don't get so caught up on, you know, which one am I or where am I and, and more focus on what signs do you have and which signs do you want to work on so you can have a healthier balance. I found it first odd because it's like, yeah, the more research you do, the more you understand it better. But like when I first realized like what an HSP is, I was confused. Oh, how can I be extroverted if I'm an HSP? But the more you read about it, it doesn't mean that you're shy. It's just, yeah, the sensory overload. That's what it is. And it's almost like all of your senses, like in regards to like feeling other people and, and their stories and, and whatever it is they're going through, you kind of also take on that feeling too. And I felt that way when I had the podcast, like there's certain heavy stories that were taking place in season one and season two and whatnot. And 
And it was what triggered me to seek therapy, to be honest. It was one story that really heavily impacted me. And I, I literally took it home with me. And you know what's so interesting, though? I recall even when I was little and I would watch certain movies or even certain shows with my mom, like I would really feel like, you know, whenever the character, something's going on with them or if they're hurt or whatever, I would literally all night long think about that. And I was like, why? Why as a child? Yeah. Am I like taking that in when I know that it's not true? But for some reason, that's how I guess empathetic I was at a very young age that it bothered me that certain things were unfolding in the story that were impacting the characters. So it's like, how can you tell if your child does have it? Because to me, obviously, I didn't tell my mom this. I was just like dealing with it by myself internally, not knowing why am I taking on this extra burden of caring what these characters are feeling or what's going on or what's unraveling in the story or in the movie. So it's like, how can you tell that your child does have is an HSP to a certain extent? Well, here's the interesting thing. And I think the more neuroscience advances, because one of the things is I'm infatuated by trauma. Okay. And there's something called vicarious trauma. So what would be very interesting to see, because even and from a trauma perspective, they tell you, you can take on PTSD from watching someone else's trauma. If I'm already sent, you know, intuitive enough and I pick up on things already. So the, the research is already telling us like, hey, so it's validating what HSP says, which is basically, hey, don't watch violent movies or things that are disturbing because guess what? It's going to disturb you. But also the trauma research is saying, hey, guys, you don't need to be, you know, directly exposed. Secondary trauma is a real thing. And just watching someone else's trauma or hearing about someone else's trauma will give you the symptoms of, of PTSD. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, wow, that'd be a fascinating study to do. Like in terms of HSP, you're very aware of that. But now the research is showing that even if you're not HSP, that that also can impact people who aren't HSP. It's going to give them that secondary trauma because that's what's in essence happening is that as a child, if you're watching something violent and then now you're having nightmares about it or you're thinking about it or you're consuming about it, depending on how long, you know, you are starting to have the symptoms of trauma. And what people don't realize and then like, well, that's not PTSD. Well, what's the difference, right? The difference is between trauma and PTSD is that you have those same symptoms ongoing for over a month. Now, if you are constantly watching this violent stuff as an HSP, I wouldn't be surprised if you did develop PTSD. I think HSP just makes you highly aware of it more. And so that gives you more validation of why maybe you shouldn't watch it. But I also think that regardless if you're HSP or not, in general, you know, I mean, and this is where I love our tradition or in Islam is that, you know, there's such a strong emphasis on what the eyes see and the ears hear. And we discount that. And my Iman keeps increasing because I'm like, wait a minute, science is saying this, but Islam also says this as well. Now, we shouldn't kind of close our eyes and not watch anything. But at the same time, if you're constantly watching this violence and this horrific stuff, which is every other show today on TV, it makes sense that you are going to not be able to sleep and consume yourself with watching it. So I think whether you're an HSP or not HSP, we all need to have a filter in terms of what we're watching and maybe not watch those disturbing things, but definitely as an HSP, even more so because you are the type that will internalize it and not be able to tune it out. I can't like the stuff in the in scene that happens. I can't watch it or see it because it, it literally paralyzes me. I didn't share this with like publicly and whatnot, but I, I told you, Dr. Khatam, about what happened in Palestine this past May and whatnot and what's still happening. It's not just to happen in May, but in May, I mean, it was like the, the most difficult to watch. And I internalized it so much. I actually took a week off of work. And I think I publicly didn't want to say that because it's like you think about the people that are actually living in Palestine. How are they dealing with this when they're actually living this reality? Here I am thousands of miles away. But I, I honestly, like it was one video after the next, after the next. And I internalized all of that. I 
I honestly couldn't function. I really couldn't function. And I had to take a week off of work. And it was just, it was so difficult because it was also like this, like, like you said, a battle with myself, like, who am I to feel this way when I'm not living that reality? So it's, it's a lot going on. And then it's like, I wonder, I wonder the people in Palestine who may be HSPs who are already, I mean, they've been exposed to trauma since birth. So it's like, how do they deal with this? You know what I mean? And obviously it might also just be undiagnosed because they don't probably have the proper medical care and whatnot. I mean, they are living under occupation. They are living under a siege 24 seven. So it's, it's very difficult to watch certain things unfold. And sometimes as an HSP, it's hard to even avoid these things. Like you said, you can't completely close off your ears and your and your eyes. Like you're going to be exposed, especially this day and age and how everything is unfolding all around the world, you know? Well, and what ends up happening though is the other extreme, and that is you become insensitive to it. This is where it's like you have to learn to, you know, I always think of the Islamic concept of right? Is that it's finding the middle ground and they call it in cognitive distortions is like all or nothing thinking that it's not all or nothing. As an HSP, watching this stuff does tend to disrupt your normal functioning. So you have to be very conscious of how much you're consuming and how often in order to not disrupt your nose. So is it all, is it completely avoid? No. Is it, you know, consume and watch, you know, hours and hours of it? No. So it's about, can I still have in the no knowledge of world affairs and stuff without getting drained by it? And then that's, that's how you have to start learning to manage your energy. So you're not just being dismissive and insensitive. Okay. Because then that's another natural adaptation is you kind of go into this, okay, I'm just going to avoid it altogether. And then you become completely insensitive. So that's not healthy either, right? Anything in extremes which is also our, you know, Islamic concept as well, is in the middle ground, finding a balance. And I've seen people that, you know, unfortunately, whether it's leave their faith or completely just become indifferent to this concept because they're like, ah, because they don't want to provoke those internal feelings. That's unhealthy as well, because I feel then that kind of turns off your identity and causes other issues. So people with this, you know, with that identifies an HSP is learn to protect your energy so you can honor the good things about being an HSP and you minimize, you know, the disruption that comes from being an HSP by not protecting that energy. Can we talk about the, one of the main traits of an HSP is the fact that they are empathetic and can we be empathetic to extreme levels? But then it's also, there's like a good side to being empathetic because that's why I am able to have the connections that I have with people, the friendships, the relationships and whatnot, because I really do truly connect to them on a much deeper level. Can we kind of dive a bit deeper into being an empath? And then how does that affect our relationships, whether it be marriages or even relationships with your family? Because as an HSP, you do tend to put their priorities above yours at times. So that could be the downfall. But then like we said, uh, a positive trait of being an HSP is that you're empathetic, that you can care for others, that you are there for others, that you are loyal, idealistic, romantic and whatnot. So it has its good and it has its bad. And the bad comes when, like you said, when you continuously overstimulate yourself and you don't know how to create the boundaries. And that's, that's a great question because one of the things too that I always questioned is that, okay, if, if developmentally I'm a bit more empathic, if I live, let it just be and I'm just let myself care, I'm also not being responsible with that trait because to be a people pleaser and you can do all these things for others and forget yourself. So relationships become very unbalanced. And there's a very fine line between a trait that's innate and a trait that's actually exasperated because of developmental wounding. And that's where it's confusing because if you grew up, okay, if you were born as an HSP, yes, you're empathic, but then also were neglected as a child and got loved by, you know, doing everything right and being the good kid, people pleasing becomes even more so for you. So then now you have a trait that has become very unhealthy and dysfunctional. 
and causes a lot of problems in future relationships. And, you know, one of the key signs I tell anyone, whether it's a friendship or a relationship, you have to continuously be more conscious and ask, is there more balance? Is it a give and take? It cannot be when if you're giving, 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 and the person's just taking, 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 that's usually a red flag. So, and, and I'll keep coming back to this middle ground is that you have to constantly be your own watch guard to even evaluate your own behaviors of like, okay, wait a minute, am I giving too much to this relationship? You're there for a friend all the time. You're constantly caring. You're doing things for them. And then when you need something that's not reciprocated, that's usually a red flag. If you're making someone a priority and you're just an option, that's a red flag. If you are being extremely inconsiderate, if you're in a relationship with someone and they're not doing the same because they're just expecting you to constantly be the person that thinks of them and does things for them and they're not reciprocating, that's a red flag. So we have to start paying attention to the red flags as well and not just be like, well, I'm just an empath or I'm just sensitive and then blame it on that. All of these traits can go to one extreme or the other and they can get into unhealthy territory that gets you into problems. I mean, one of the problems could be being in an abusive relationship. I remember my sister had to literally tell me like, what is wrong with you? How do you even, how can you even stand in front of me and still wonder if he's okay after everything he's done to you? At that point, I didn't understand that. I literally didn't understand why I was feeling that way. Like I should have been far removed from this person, not caring about this person whatsoever, realizing what this person has done to me. But no, I, at that moment still, like even when I left, I was like, I wonder if they're okay. And I I couldn't believe that. I, I just didn't understand why there was that disconnect. Like my body completely left that relationship but my mind was like is that person okay there has to be something wrong with them there for them to be the way that they are and it's like I wanted to solve that two things it could be as an HSP where you are empathic and worried about them but then also because you were never taught to care about yourself that energy is being deflected or displaced and that energy because you this is where you know we're never taught how to heal ourselves or to deal with our emotions so we always feel more comfortable externalizing it and part of learning about mental health is then okay okay how can i take that same energy that i'm displacing on something that's not healthy for me and actually ask myself how am i feeling how what am i what am i feeling Subhanallah, I was asking these questions, but I, w- I should have been asking them to myself. And maybe that's what I was subconsciously doing. Like, am I okay? And and because we're not, and this is where developmental wounding happens is because culturally we're not taught to do that. So it's like, how are you ever going to do that? As an empath, you know, you need to do it, but because you never were taught that it's okay to do it on yourself, you'll do it on, on someone externally. So a lot of times what we need, we're actually doing for others. And so sometimes you need to just stop and ask yourself, okay, I'm giving to this person. I'm worrying about this person. Am I also giving this to myself? That shifts your relationship because then you start looking, you start looking for healthier relationships. And as you grow and you start realizing, okay, it's about balance and that there has to be it's not like an accounting formula. We're like, okay, I disclose one thing. Are they disclosing one thing? Or I help them with this thing. Are they helping? It's not that, but it's, you get a natural feel for, okay, if I'm giving, 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 or if I'm constantly checking up on a friend and calling them and, and they're not reciprocating after the third, fourth call, that's, I mean, these are signs that you need to pay attention to. Exactly why we're having this discussion. Cause I don't want this to be just an excuse for us to live our lives and just always like blame the fact that we're an HSP. It's like, how can we navigate this? How can we navigate this world knowing that we're an HSP? How can we have have better boundaries and whatnot. And can we talk about boundaries? Because I read that for an HSP, which I believe for me, at least personally, it's difficult for us to set boundaries. Reason being is because of the fact, yeah, we're empathetic, that we care about other people's situations. But sometimes we can even get involved with situations that are not even our business or problem, but we take it on. And I feel that way sometimes, especially because I, I'm also like the oldest sibling. Like, I feel like I always have to like make sure all my siblings are okay, make sure everybody around me is okay. And I take on more than I can handle. So I don't know how to set boundaries at times. 
times or have my boundaries stand firmly in place. Like I, I know what boundaries I want, but I just don't know how to implement them because I find myself kind of falling back into this, like, how can I be there for other people and, and, and whatnot? So I think also this can affect our relationships again, like back to talking about relationships. How can we set better boundaries and why is it difficult for us? Maybe other than this reason that I gave, why is it difficult for us to set these boundaries? Well, so as an HSP, you allow yourself to get influenced by others. Just like when you watch something violent, it kind of bothers you. If someone kind of gives you a guilt trip, very easy for you to take that on. And one of the things is that I have noticed is that a lot of times HSPs aren't actually, they're in, they're in tune with it, but they're not in tune with themselves. Meaning that if someone is kind of putting pressure on you to do something that you really don't want to do, the first obligation is to yourself to honor what you're feeling, not to them. But most people... It's like after the fact where they realize they do something they don't want to do, but then later on they kind of regret it. So asking yourself, like when someone is telling you to do something, am I doing this really for them because I have to, or I feel obligated, or do I really not feel comfortable with this? One of the things I've learned is the more I honor myself, the healthier I show up to people. Because what will happen is you actually will start creating resentment towards that person. Because then you feel like, you know, you feel like you're kind of arm wrestled to do something you really didn't want to do. It goes back into all that energy that you have in terms of understanding others, reading others. You literally have to like flip the switch and take it internal and understand yourself. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, one of the things with a lot of a lot of the signs are talking about externally, right? How you are with others, how you are about feeling things external to you. But you have that strength equally on the inside towards yourself. So I'd say, you know, that's one of the key ways to be able to set a boundary is like really attuned to yourself of like, do I really want this or not? Or is, am I being influenced? And, and that makes a difference. And being learned, you know, the inevitable of like, whether you're an HSP or a people pleaser or a codependent, I mean, learning to say no is uncomfortable. One of the things is learning to just be okay with discomfort. I mean, we get, we're in this craze of like always wanting to be comfortable and happy and at peace. And that's not life. Life is about good and bad, comfortable and uncomfortable, learning to be okay with discomfort. So I said, no, that's okay. Someone's not going to like you because you're saying no. Then Maybe you need to reevaluate if that person, why that person's in your life to begin with. That's not what relationships about. It's about honoring each other. Exactly. So a lot of times I feel like I do bite my tongue and I, I, I keep my personal thoughts to myself and then I internalize it and then I go back to having the, the battle within myself. But like you said, it's just a simple piece of advice just to get uncomfortable, to start practicing being able to be uncomfortable in certain situations. And that's just the way it is. And one of the, one of the things that one of my clients was saying that they noticed that in their body there was a physiological response. They're like, I noticed like my heart would start, you know, yes. racing, stomach would start tightening. And I was like, that's brilliant because that's usually your sign of like, hey, this is not okay, or hey, I'm not comfortable with this, as opposed to suppressing it and denying it and, and trying to avoid it because you want to get rid of those feelings. Your body's talking to you, and instead of denying it or, or ignoring it. Actually, you know what? Say, hey, my body's actually saying this is not right. Because sometimes you don't have the data for it. You just intuitively, you're like, it just doesn't feel right or it's something you don't want to do. You don't can't explain why. So you just ignore it. If you're feeling uncomfortable with something and you don't have the data for it, trust your body. It actually is 10 times wiser than the brain. The other part is that notice when you're actually overwhelmed or like people's energy, because part of a boundary is sometimes when we're around certain people, we just, you know, you're going to say your vibe attracts your tribe or it's like the yeah. vibe is not right. There are people that their energy will exhaust you and learning to honor that of like, you know, you're already highly sensitive. Your energy is already very valuable. And so if there's certain individuals that that just 
suck the life out of you. That's another thing of learning to honor that boundary of like, you know, maybe you can't avoid them all the time, but you can edit how much time you spend around them, especially if they're a family member, right? But it's about learning to balance that. If there's certain coworkers that are just, that like to gossip and they're just draining, it's like learning to be more conscious of how much time and how much exposure you have to them. So, you know, but it all goes back into the hallmark of all of this is learning to trust yourself which most of us aren't taught, HSP or non-HSP, learning to trust what's happening inside your body. Our body is the best detector if we learn to trust it. That's so true. I had this discussion with a friend too, like learning how to trust myself, I think would solve a lot of my problems in life because it's like we second guess ourselves, we outsource everything and we put our full trust in others before we trust ourselves. And I think that's kind of like, my pain point in life, just learning how to trust myself better, but also being compassionate with ourselves. Because like you said, Dr. Khadam, you know, we weren't taught the, these things. We're learning about them in a much later time in our life where it's kind of hard to absorb these things because, you know, certain characteristics, certain traits have already been set in place. So to kind of like unlearn all this stuff is difficult in itself. I think it's even more difficult than learning the new trait, learning to trust yourself. It's just learning how to unlearn all of the, the things that you were taught growing up. You don't want to blame anyone because again, our parents didn't know any better either. They're they're growing and evolving as much as we are. Can we talk about the spiritual aspect of being an HSP? Because I feel like for me, I think that's like a positive aspect, a huge positive aspect that I feel like I am more connected to my faith because I'm an HSP. How do you feel about that? How how has your personal experience been? So for me, this has been actually quite critical. And this is what I was saying earlier about, you know, I called it for the longest time, the two me's, which was like kind of there's the career driven dunya side. That's the one me. And it was driven by like what society standards of success and happiness was school, Ivy League, et cetera. Then there was always the the highly sensitive person, which I actually realize is my more spiritual side, constantly questioning in my mom's voice in my head of like, when you're dead and you're in your grave, what's this going to do for your akhirah? And I always felt that they were, the two were in conflict with each other. It was either or, and after, you know, continuously questioning, and I learned to integrate the two. And that's why I actually did a career shift change, because one of the things for an HSP, which is where the spiritual side comes in, is that you are purpose-driven. And having a connection to a higher power, you know, for us comes from our own, our faith, alhamdulillah. So having that connection and that integration where your dean and dunya are integrated. It's not like, okay, career is here, family's here. We're never taught really how to kind of make our sense of purpose, our spirituality driven of like, you are worshiping God, but also through doing all these things career-wise, family-wise, developmentally-wise, body-wise. It's, it's all connected. It's not just isolated or compartmentalized. Going back to what I was saying earlier, maybe it was before the recording, where I was telling you, <laughs> yes. you're in the wrong profession as an accountant. <laughs> yes, I know. Oh my God, Dr. Khadam, I, I had a breakdown, trust me. And I think my breakdown even was like online. Like literally I told everybody like, what am I doing as an accountant? This is not serving my, you know, my being as a Muslim and everything like that. And somebody came in my DMs and she calmed me down and she like, Dunya, I know you want to do something other than accounting. I know you don't think you're fulfilling your purpose, especially your faith's purpose and whatnot. But she's like, look at it as like, this is a way of Allah giving you risk. And your risk is coming through being an accountant. For a while now, I've been just kind of like using that as to why I've, I'm still an accountant. But yes, it's not. It's like every day I, I log in and I'm like, I'm crunching numbers. How is this helping my akhra? How is this helping me even fulfill my purpose in this dunya? Like, what am I doing? Like, this is not giving me the purpose that I want. And then alhamdulillah, of course, I have this podcast. And this is why I've been so consistent with it, because it's the only thing that keeps me going. And I honestly feel like it is truly purpose driven. So yes, we did have this discussion offline. Yeah, it was so, hilarious. And I'll take what you know, what your friend gave you was a, 
definitely a good lens. And I will take that a, a step further is that if you kind of just limit it to it's your risk, I will generally from my own life experiences and seeing someone who was, you know, I was a consultant crunching numbers working for one of these fancy, you know, consulting yeah. jobs, working in behind in a cubicle till 12 o'clock at night and thinking, what the hell is this doing for my akhara? But what I realize now, because you can never connect the dots when you're in this situation, from my own experience, I can connect the dots looking backwards. And what I will say is that the skills that you have learned as being an accountant are going to help you in the next career path that you're in. The other thing is too, is that think of it as a birth because in order to give birth to a healthier space, you need to have all this disruption of and discomfort of being an accountant to kind of launch you into a different space that you just weren't aware of before. And so use it as a, as a bridge or as a launching pad to the next phase, but you're gaining skills in this area that are absolutely necessary for the next phase. And I actually think even your, I, I was noticed that your level of detail, Moshallah, in terms of like setting up this podcast <laughs> yes. and the outline, I'm like, this is the accountant in her. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so, and, but it makes, it's, but why this is so successful is because those details that you have learned in accounting are tra- being translated here. So there's no such thing as like a waste of time. Everything has wisdom in it. And so just embrace it so you can use those skills to get into a next path. Because if you actually look into the career goal, you know, the careers for HSPs, they are highly people oriented uh, professions. I think like one of physicians, therapists, psychologists, uh, clergy, teachers, people that are in like, the, you know, even writers, social workers. Workers. There's so many you know, musicians, artists, they're very creative. There tends to be a very creative lens to it and a very uh, empathic people connection, right? So there's a gazillion different professions around it. I mean, I, didn't, I don't believe I saw accountant in that list, but no, not at all. <laughs> Nowhere near. It. It's like the complete opposite because they say an HSP is more right brain. But first, I really want to thank you, Dr. Khatam. Honestly, that was just so uplifting. And I really just appreciate you. I appreciate this discussion so much, by the way. And you are right because they say an HSP is more right brained. And so we are more creative. So that's why I was also kind of in a way also going insane as an accountant, because obviously there's no creativity in that. I, I, you know, I enjoy being an accountant. It was challenging in what, at one point, but I've been doing it now for almost like 10 years. So now it's just like the podcast gives me that creative outlet. Before we jump into like the really positive aspects of an HSP, is it more likely for an HSP to go through a spiritual awakening then? I felt like I experienced this this past summer that I, I felt like I was going through a spiritual awakening where I was really delving into like where I am in my faith, where I am in life in general. Am I fulfilling my purpose? Am I on the right path? There was just so many questions consuming me this past summer. And I had a discussion with my friend. I, we actually aired the episode too, and she was feeling the same way. I also know that it's very very hard to kind of like narrow everything down because everybody has their own personal experience. And maybe, you know, you can have a spiritual awakening without being an HSP and vice versa, you know. All humans need a connection to something greater than themselves. You know, I've been infatuated with understanding the concept of happiness and what is happiness. And whether you're an HSP or non-HSP, you need that connection to something greater than yourself. Now, as an HSP, for most people, they can get by with numbing it. With the HSP, your your attunement to that is quite high. So your level of numbing is needs to be quite severe. So unless you're really just getting high and, and overdosing on cocaine and methamphetamine and getting drunk, it's going to be hard to shut that down because it's such, such a loud energy within of disruption. So yes, it makes sense that because it, whether it takes some type of life crisis or it takes some severe internal disruption of like just feeling uncomfortable in your own body of like, you do need that connection to a, a spiritual being you know, or to a higher power. What they find, the research finds is that, you know, they, I call it awakening, make the unconscious conscious. It usually happens through some type of pain. 
And I always ask them, why does it always take a tragedy? And then I'm someone, <laughs> well, if you actually look in the Quran, okay, and even in Islam and Hadith and the stories, everything in Islam that became, like, they got better was always through some type of tragedy or some type of tribulation. It was never just done, oh, things are good, let's just change. It was always through something catastrophic that happened that then led to some type of growth. So for HSP is that if you are leading a life that is not aligned with a higher power or serving a higher purpose, it makes sense that something is going to provoke that sooner rather than later to kind of get you on that path because otherwise you're going to fall into depression. And that's one of the things that they find is that if you're not honoring what's coming up internally, you keep suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. You're finding people fall into major depressive disorder. You're finding falling into people to take on to, you know, the major generalized anxiety disorder. So this is where, you know, I feel that the mental health space as a whole, there's still a lot more, you know, knowledge that needs to come out. And we all have a desire to connect to something greater than ourselves. And, you know, even in my research, I remember when I was doing it, is that spirituality isn't just limited to an organized religion. Now, for us, alhamdulillah, it is tied to our Islamic faith. For people who are considered the atheist, what they find is that they have to even belong to a total cause. So whether it's the environment or, you know, save the whales or, but they need to stand for something greater than themselves. It, it can't be just themselves. And and that's quite important. So as HSPs is that the spiritual awakening means you're attuning to what matters and honoring that a bit more because what happens is our conscious brain, which lies to us, tries to get us to ignore that. And we try to kind of like go about things rationally and not connecting, you know, to our heart and our soul. To really be at peace with yourself as an HSP, head, heart, and body have to be aligned. You cannot turn off the soul and the heart and think that you could just cruise through life disconnected from a higher source. It will be a very miserable life. And I wouldn't be surprised if you were someone that would fall into depression if you didn't everyone in general has to connect to something greater than themselves. If they don't, it makes sense. They're not why they're unhappy. I think that's why I personally fell into depression and I and I see therapy because it was a lot of suppression. Literally, when I first had my first therapy session, I just told her everything that I suppressed and why I chose to suppress it. But I, I, I really just commend you for all the knowledge, Mashallah, that you have on this topic. And you might agree that this is not a one hour conversation. We can have hours and hours of conversation about this because Mashallah, it's so multifaceted, but it's so linked to, it's linked to so many other topics especially with the mental health field, there's so much to talk about. Can we end it on a positive note so people don't feel like, you know, they're doomed being HSP? Because even though that it comes with all of the emotions and feeling everything deeply and being overstimulated at times and whatnot and, and the difficulty of like navigating relationships, there's still so many positive aspects that I absolutely love. And that's what allows me to kind of like be who I am. And that is the creative aspect. That is the part of me that why I am a bookworm. I love reading. And as an HSP, you love gaining knowledge. But what are some other positive aspects of of an HSP that we can kind of be proud of that, you know, not feel like this is a burden because it's truly not. It's just how you navigate it. Well, one of the things is that you have great relationships because you have loyal relationship because you are an empath and you're very caring and you're selective on who you form a relationship with. So when you do, you tend to have really good, solid, long lasting relationships and loyalty. So that's a really good thing. The other one is they actually find that HSPs are actually great leaders. And the reason being is because they're attuned to the people around them. They are giving and taking. It's not just kind of it's not all about them, which is what makes a great leader. Uh, the other part is the attention to detail. So I guess that is the accountant in you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think honestly, okay. that's why. Oh, my manager always says you're so organized. There's no other way to be. I cannot be unorganized. It's just no way. 
The other part is too, is that because you are intuitive, you would look at the pros and cons of things and actually think ahead. You know, what I find is that people that are HSP tend to be a little bit more mature than others because they're already forecasting the pros and cons of doing certain things. And so they just don't do it because they already see how and this is going to not be good for them. There is a little bit a higher level of maturity there because of that intuition. They can kind of forecast ahead. So would you say that we're not indecisive then, that we are a bit more decisive because we can kind of think ahead and look at the full picture? You will be indecisive if you allow yourself to be influenced by others. One of the most important things for an HSP is to learn to honor one themselves and what they're feeling. And because that's not normalized in general across the board, whether you're an HSP or, no, or a regular person, that's why a lot of people are, you know, they come to therapy is that they've learned to disconnect the head and the body. And one of the things, and, and I know you're reading Bessel's book, the, you know, the body keeps the score. His whole trauma research is that your body is 10 times more powerful than your brain because you can suppress, suppress, suppress. And eventually the body's like fills up, fills up, fills up, fills up. And it's like explodes in terms of some type of awakening or like, you know, disruption because it's like, hello, pay attention to me, <laughs> you know, enough suppression. Everything that we need as an HSP is say that one of the hallmarks is everything you need is inside of yourself. If you learn to honor it and feel it and tap into it. And the other thing is that that it's also is that, you know, we are purpose driven, meaning that as an HSP living a life of purpose and that if you honor that, you will live a very fulfilled life that's at peace. So assuming you honor all the parts of you and learn to set boundaries and recognize both the pros and cons. But it's really about learning, you know, as an HSP is that if you can learn to have a relationship with yourself and trust what comes up, you can have a really peaceful and great life. Yes. That's why it's like so important to like know how to navigate this. And you gave us so many helpful tips and pieces of advice on that, Dr. Khatam. I think my final question, and maybe we still don't have a solid answer to this, but as an HSP, is this a trait or a characteristic that's inherited or is it that it just happens as we go along in life? lady who founded this is that she actually said that, that in the brain scans of HSP, they found that it was something they were born with. Certain brain regions were activated that were not activated in non-HSPs. And that to me was the game changer because then it was like, okay, this is not something that I learned because of developmental wounding or because of childhood trauma. So it's more innate. Where it gets confusing is that a lot of these traits could be learned because of developmental trauma. And that's where the distinction is. You don't know, are you generally born with it or are you because I've been exposed to quite significant you know, childhood adverse experiences? So regardless, I feel like it's less important of, yes, if you're born with this or if it was a learned trauma response and more to just tune into it and use it. Your body's constantly communicating with you. We're not in touch with it. It makes you a great judge of character if you trust yourself. It can save you a big headache and a lot of heartache if you actually listen to your body. <laughs> exactly. I'm learning that. Yes, I'm learning that the hard way, Dr. Khadam. You're so right. Like, just listen to your body. Mashallah, like, we are such magical beings the way Allah has created us. SubhanAllah, how we're so connected and everything. So I think, yes, like, the moral of the story is, like, listen to yourself. Do not discount your feelings. Prioritize yourself. And Wallah, we would have the best relationships and even the best relationships with ourselves personally, too. So I really want to thank you, Dr. Khatam. I learned so much. I mean, honestly, even like your social media is like a wealth of knowledge. You want to see inspire us to look really deep within ourselves with all the posts that you have. So much information in just one post that you learn so much more about yourself. And even with your post about HSPs that you once posted, that's why I was like, I have to have you on because I absolutely loved how you broke it down and just the way you even explained it right now. What are some platforms that our listeners can find you on? I know on Instagram, you're under Brain Health Doc. Of course, I will like tag all of your uh, platforms and whatnot, but what other ways can people connect with you or learn more about you or read the work that you've done and researched yourself, inshallah? 
I, this 2021 was like the first year I started getting on social media. And, and that was directly a result of my clients and people telling me like, why are you not online? So I'm working on launching a website right now. I mean, you know, because all my work, I mean, alhamdulillah, has been referral based. I haven't needed to market myself. But part of, you know, wanting more, I feel that I have a lot of knowledge, alhamdulillah. And I feel that, you know, not everyone's going to have the privilege and access to the knowledge that I've gained. And I feel responsible to share that knowledge with others. So I'm working on launching a website, inshallah, in 2022. And I'll let you know when I do. So for now, it's on brainhealth.com. And then until I launch my website and launch a couple of other things. And I've done a lot of presentations and workshops. And so right now, what we're doing is we're trying to kind of, because there's a lot of information I've already done that people can benefit from, but watching some of these videos that will just help them. So getting all those under one roof as well. Yeah, because I've seen some of your YouTube videos too. There's like also a lot of great YouTube videos on there. And I think just what you're doing is so incredible. And I really want to thank you because honestly, you're impacting so many people. And the reason why you have a large following, why you have so much engagement on your posts is because people want to learn more. They want to learn more about themselves. And it's never too late, even though we feel like, you know, we've reached a certain age and we've kind of suppressed all these feelings. But it's like, it's the best feeling to feel validated, to know that there is nothing wrong with you and to be able to just learn more about yourself and your ways and why you react to the certain things that, you know, you've gone through in life. So thank you so much, Dr. Khatam. And I look forward to doing with you. I'm getting the love you want. Oh, yes, yes. Stay tuned because of course this one's going to be released first. I already have people ordering the book and sending me screenshots of them ordering the book because I was just raving about it. So yes, like stay tuned for part two, Dr. Khatam. And we're definitely going to talk about getting the love you want. And that is going to be an interesting conversation. I have so many questions when it comes to that. So I'll point out all the ways I didn't listen to myself and how it hurt me. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Get the love I want. <laughs> Please. We have to do HSPs in love for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Khatam. Okay, thank you.